0: Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, we are excited to get into the scriptures with you, and we are going to be picking up in Nehemiah uh, so, if you were with us last week, you know that uh, we've just started into a new series on Isaiah and the prophets. And uh, week one in the series, uh, we uh, talked about uh, prophets and prophecy. What did prophets and prophecy look like in the Old Testament? Uh, how does that compare uh, to what we find in the New Testament? And then last week, we talked about uh, the prophet's call to response. That their, their message is loaded with judgment and with hope uh, for the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations, uh, but there was always loaded with this call to response as well. The uh, Old Testament prophets didn't simply tell those people, hey, judgment is coming, but rather they warned the people what would happen if they didn't change course. And so the message of the prophets, which takes up much of the Old Testament, was always loaded with this call to response. And that response, that turning away from evil and toward uh, God is called repentance. It, it's a turning or a returning to God. Repent, the prophets would say. Uh, And we explored that call uh, a bit last week and and explored the fact that God uh, has always called his people to be a soft-hearted, And repentant people rather than a hard hearted and self justifying people. And if you think about uh, kind of our culture and even the people that we lift high in our culture, uh, it's often those who are uh, kind of prideful and self justifying. And so, as a biblical community, we recognize whoa, if we just copy the patterns around us. Uh, we're not going to be in line with what God has um, for His people. And so uh, He's always uh, called his people to a, a lifestyle of repentance. But as we hit on last week, repentance, it leads to new life for the individual. And when a community embraces repentance, it actually leads to revival for that community and for those that the community touches. And so uh, before moving on in the series, uh, I wanted to take one more week to press into this topic a little bit more for two reasons, in part. Because I want us to become a, a soft hearted, well, in some ways we are, but to, to continue to grow in being a soft hearted and repentant community. Uh, I, I want us, I want that to get deep uh, in our bones. And, and so that's one reason we're talking about it again. Uh, but the other reason we're going to talk about it again is because I really want us to grasp what's on the other side of repentance, if that makes sense. Repentance. Uh, can sometimes be framed as a sort of guilt-ridden exercise. Huh. It's just this, oh, repentance means you're just supposed to, like, get before God, uh, but just feel guilty about yourself. Like, that's the goal, is just to, like, kind of be there and, and just feel really bad about yourself, and you're thinking, I already feel bad about myself. Why do I need to do that? And, uh, and, and if we're not careful, we can end up kind of a wallowing in self-deprecation Uh, and guilt and even shame, and and it can become this sort of inward-facing, self-absorbed thing if we're not careful. Uh, And and if we get stuck there in that place, then we're not actually pressing in and and moving on into the good things that God has for us. So we'll pick up today in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, Uh, and as we uh, pick up there, It will be helpful to remember uh, that the prophets continually were inviting people to repent and turn back to God. And God says, hey, if the nation I warn repents of its evil, uh, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. So I'm warning the nations through the prophets, but if they listen to the warning, and they change course, well, then I'm going to change too, and all of this stuff that's coming down isn't going to happen. God made it clear that if you turn toward, away from darkness and toward the light, if you turn from evil and toward God, uh, then the judgment that was being announced by the prophets on those different nations won't come. It's not too late, they kept saying. But with very few exceptions... The people refused to listen, and eventually exile came for the nation of Israel. And so now uh, the scene that we are about to read actually comes after exile. So the people refused to listen for centuries. They were taken into exile, and now God has freed a remnant of the Israelites, and they've come back to the land. This is uh, Nehemiah 8, verse 1. It says, When the seventh month came... And the Israelites had settled or resettled in their towns. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So just to set the scene, the people are hungry for this. They're back in the land. They all come together as one and they go to the teacher of the law uh, whose name is Ezra and they say bring out the bible essentially of their day bring it out there was limited copies hey bring that out and read it to us there was a hunger among the people verse 2 so on the first day of the seventh month Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly which was made up of men and women and, and all who were able to understand all who were old enough he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. So like six hours. No big deal. Um, As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men, women, and the others who could understand. All the people listened attentively, though they probably started to drift off at the end, uh, to the book of the law. Skip down to verse eight. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send those to, those, to send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength." The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So, try to picture this scene if you can. The people of Israel, were hard-hearted for centuries. They refused to listen to the prophets. They refused to repent. They're sent into exile in Babylon. And decades later, God brings some of them out of exile back into their original land. And all of a sudden, there's this key moment of soft-heartedness when, when all of the people, everyone came together and, and they were hungry for the word of God, and they heard it, and they responded in humility and repentance. In fact, it says they were weeping. Imagine that. They they were cut to the core by what they heard. They were so soft-hearted and so repentant that eventually the leaders had to go around after enough time had passed, and they said, enough. Like, calm down. You, you, don't, you don't need to keep repenting. You don't need to keep weeping. You've entered in, in soft-heartedness and humility. Now, be strengthened. Now, receive the joy of the Lord. It's time to be filled. Let's eat. Which, if you'd been crying your way through a six-hour sermon, you'd probably be hungry as well. They say, hey, let, let's stop that, enough. Like, let's, well, if I preach for six hours, you'd be crying for different reasons. But, <laughs> but he's saying, en- enough of that. Like, Come and enjoy. This is what he says. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. After repentance and tears came incredible joy and a time of strengthening from the Lord. The very thing that God had been trying to give his people for all of those long, agonizing centuries. God says, Hey, I've been longing to bless, I've I've been longing to show you favor. And now they are finally coming to him. The next chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9, uh, captures the events that unfold just a few weeks later. So this is like days after they have this breakthrough moment. Uh, And this is what it says. It says, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads, which is an outward sign of their inward repentance. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter of the day in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Here again, these regularly hard-hearted people are coming together with passion in repentance fasting and confessing their sins and the sins of those who came before them three hours absorbed just reading the scriptures and understanding the mysteries of God and then another three hours confessing their sins and and eventually as they're entering in with repentance and confession it gives way to worship and, the, and if you kept reading from here, the rest of chapter 9 is this long, um, drawn-out, just worship of God. And it's inspired. God, here's who you are. You're the God of love and faithfulness. You've been so good to us. Here's the history of the things that you've done among us. Is there anyone like you? And on and on and on. It breaks open in, into this time uh, of worship. And, and enjoying God and what follows after that is that the community all together has this new heart for God they have this new devotion to God they actually come together and, and kind of re um, recommit themselves to the covenant that their ancestors have failed in they're they're, they're glowing with with zeal and passion and love and, and what follows can only really be described as a revival for the nation of Israel, the spiritual atmosphere changes and, and they, they enter this new, there's this awakening or reawakening uh, to who God is. And what follows is kind of a spiritual and political renewal for the nation of Israel. It starts in repentance and humility but it gives way to worshiping with great joy. It starts with weeping, but it gives way uh, to, to feasting and being strengthened by the joy of the Lord. It starts with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. It ends with the revival of their nation. And the reason that we're reading out of Nehemiah today instead of Isaiah is that the people don't repent in Isaiah. Um, They don't have this moment. Through most of the prophets, rarely do they have these soft-hearted moments, and thus rarely do they see revival. God's there all along telling them, I will do this for you if you come to me. But they won't come. And the reason that we wanted to unpack this this morning is that God has stirred a new dream in our hearts uh, to see revival happen in this church and in this city. uh, To see the types of things that we see in Nehemiah, that we've seen throughout history, to see them happen again amongst us, to see this city set on fire for God. And all of that lies on the other side of repentance. Many of you know that we're part of uh, an international church family uh, called Regions Beyond. And a handful of us, uh, six total, got to go to an international conference that they had uh, in Greece Uh, A couple weeks back. It's been uh, two or three weeks now since we got back. And if you were here uh, two weeks ago, you might remember that uh, Megan Albion shared her story, kind of her testimony uh, from her time in Greece. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, I think God really spoke through her. And if you weren't here, please go back two weeks ago and listen to the podcast uh, because the things that God spoke through her have been completely um, shaping and setting the tone. For the life of our church over the course of these last few weeks. Uh, and my experience uh, in Greece was actually somewhat uh, similar to Megan's. I had only been to one uh, Regents Beyond conference uh, in, in the past before this experience, and it was a really small thing. They got 12 to 14 you know, pastors together from around the world, did this little you know, small-scale thing in South Africa. And um, through the course of that, Conference, I was powerfully touched by God. Uh, I had this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit um, beyond anything that I'd experienced before. And it was just 12, 14 of us just worshiping together. But I was filled with the Spirit. I received the gift of tongues, uh, which I literally thought was like impossible, like impossible could never happen to me, happened. Uh, and I was just deeply touched. I came back. A different person and I was just had this new life I was on fire for God I just I couldn't stop praying it was amazing and so that was my first experience with 12 to 14 and then this was my second one and I thought whoa if that's what I experienced with 12 to 14 imagine 300 leaders from all over the world like oh man God is gonna move in power I am so excited. He's going to be speaking to us and touching and transforming and giving us fresh vision. It's going to be amazing. And so I had all of that in my mind. I had all of this anticipation for weeks leading up to the conference. I was just anticipating, oh, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to meet all these people. I can't wait to see what God does. And the interesting thing was that I showed up at the conference after weeks of anticipation and immediately. I felt numb, just completely numb. It was like my heart was just checking out, and and I was it was so frustrating. Like I showed up, we started worshiping, we started into the conference. The worship was amazing. People were sharing people were sharing prophetic words from the front that lined. Hey, as we were worshiping, here's what I sensed. Here's what I I feel like God wants to speak to us right now, and the things they were speaking were lining up word for word. With some of the stuff that I had written in my journal on the plane ride over. It was like amazing. And then, you know, the messages were inspiring, and I was receiving none of it. It was like almost like on an intellectual level, I could tell, wow, I think God is moving here. Like, I, I think He's doing stuff, but it meant nothing to my heart. It, w- it was the most, I was just stuck in this bizarre tension. And I don't know if it was me or spiritual warfare. Like, I, don't, I couldn't even tell. Like, God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> like, I've, I have wanted to be here. I've been dying to be here. And now I can't receive. Uh, and, and I couldn't grasp why. I, like, I want to be here. I want to engage. I want to receive. And I'm just not. And so uh, things went on like that. And the, the odd thing was, the further we got into the conference, it was like a four-day conference, the further we got in, the worse I got, um, I actually started getting like more numb and almost more like cynical uh, through the time that we were there. And by the time we got to our last full day, I was like in the middle of, of everybody worshiping, and actually like got up out of my seat and just walked to the back of the room and sat in the back with my arms folded. And I just thought, like, I just can't do this. I am repelled. By by what's happening here. Like the 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 only way I can express how I'm feeling is to sit in the back with my arms folded and and just watch. And I part of me was tempted to leave altogether. I didn't leave. I thought I can I can just sit back here, but I just can't I can't do this. I can't engage. And I'm tired of tired of fighting how I feel. Like I just can't fight this anymore. Like I just have to accept this is how I'm feeling right now. I'm just numb. And I had this um, kind of weight on the back of my shoulders and the back of my neck and kind of the back of my head. And this weight had really been with me for years, for at least like four or five years that I can remember. There was just kind of this dull, subtle weight on my shoulders. And sometimes it would flare up and get worse and and kind of start to give me headaches. And sometimes I'd even associate it with spiritual warfare, with like times of like testing and temptation and accusation from the enemy and it would just feel like heavier and i'd kind of pray against it and it would kind of die down and go to the background but it was always there and and sure enough as we were going into this conference it just got worse and worse and worse so here i am sitting in the back our last full day together sitting in the back in the morning thinking like oh, okay that's fine like I'll, I'll just be stuck with this like i'll be stuck with this weight it's not it's not going to go away I can't engage uh, I've tried to engage and that's fine I just have to accept it and so the next couple of hours after that as we were going through sessions and whatnot I actually felt a, a little a little bit of peace just thinking like oh okay at least I'm not like just constantly like fighting and leaning into that tension and we got to our last night together and uh, somebody spoke from the book of Ruth and did a teaching about Ruth and, and all of the stuff and afterward. After they were done, uh, Steve Oliver, who some of you know, uh, jumped up on stage afterward and said, hey, you know, as so-and-so was teaching out of the book of Ruth, I really felt like um, God was saying that some of you here are, are living off the gleanings of the field. And if you know the story of Ruth, she shows up as a foreigner in Israel, and foreigners were allowed to go through the fields after they'd been harvested by the workers and find the leftovers find the gleanings, like find the little you know, stalks of grain and just like sneak a few out and just kind of patch a meal together. He said, I just feel like some of you in this room, God wants to say some of you here have been living off of the gleanings of the field uh, and, and we're, we're to pray for you tonight. And I was there and I thought, very matter-of-factly, I just thought, huh, I think that actually describes me. Like, and, and it wasn't this huge emotional response I didn't really, like, sense God calling me. It was more of just this logical, like, yeah, I actually think I'm supposed to get prayed for. And so I kind of walked down to the front and didn't really, not with much expectation, just like, well, I need need prayer for this. We'll see what God does. Um, And I had a few people come around me, uh, a few of whom I knew, most of whom I didn't, and they just started praying for me. And instantly, God just started speaking through them. I just felt like the the Holy Spirit just kind of come over me. Just all of a sudden, I just sensed the presence of God there. And they started speaking out these things. Hey, you know, Matt, I'm just feeling this, sensing this, and we want to encourage you in this, and we want to pray for you. And as they started praying, something in my heart just started to break open. (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, it was like, and all this emotion came rushing up, and I I just started crying and weeping, and I was just raising my hands and, and worshiping. There's worship going on in the background, And so I'm just kind of crying and raising my hands and and weeping and something in me is just sort of breaking open. And they're just speaking all of this stuff that's just, oh my gosh, like that's it. Like this is what I needed to hear. And it was a beautiful moment. And after a few minutes of them praying, there's maybe 30 of us down at the front. So they're, you know, little teams of people moving around. They said, okay, we're gonna move on, pray for the next person. And I just stayed down at the front just worshiping. I just thought like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you just spoke through them. Thank you that you're working in my life. Thank you that you're beginning to like crack open this numbness uh, and allow me to feel again. Jesus, you're so good. You're so good to me. And so as I was just kind of praying and hanging out, um, I thought, oh, we'll you know finish one or two more songs and then I'll go back to my seat. And then an English guy, young English guy, I'd never seen him before, came over to me. And uh, he said, hey, I I feel like God's given me a word for you. Uh, are, you, are you into sports at all? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I am. I'm really good, actually. No, I didn't. I, I didn't say that. But I said, no, yeah, yeah, I'm into sports. And he said, okay, I, I think it's this, like, sports analogy. I just have this image of this horse that's meant to be, like, a long-distance racehorse. And it's meant to, like, have incredible stamina and, you know, jump all of these hurdles and keep going and going and going. Uh, but it's hamstrung. It's hamstrung. It's, like, it's stuck. It can't, it can't run. It, it can't move. And then he said, um, "And I feel like God wants to do heart surgery on you right now." And I tell you guys, if my heart had broken open in the first round, it was like double broken. Like I, like the, the the Holy Spirit just came over me. I was undone. Like they started praying over me, and I just like I just collapsed to the floor. I was weeping uncontrollably. I was I was gone. Like I was just done. And in that moment. I was only aware of the presence of God. I don't know who was there. I don't know how long I was on the floor. I don't know who was praying for me. Like, I was just completely, completely undone. And the only way, I never had an experience like that before, the only way that I can describe it was that it was like being reborn. And I know that we use that language, right, as like evangelical Christians. We say, Oh, like I'm a born-again Christian. And you know, Jesus says you have to be born again in the spirit to inherit the kingdom and, and that sort of stuff. But I still have to use that language because it's the only way to describe the depth of that experience. It was like it was like coming out of a dark womb. And there was this line in the sand, and it was like there's this life behind you. And now there's this life in front of you, and everything's going to be different. Um, and, and as they were praying, praying over me, uh, this is while I, w- I was still standing. This is the reason that I, I kind of went to the floor. I w- they were praying over me, and I felt the Holy Spirit come over me. And all of a sudden, I tangibly felt the weight lift off of my shoulders. I and mean, it was like a real physical, tangible, as real as if someone had been there like actually removing a a physical weight off of my, I felt it lift off. And in the moment that it lifted off, it was this weird sensation of I I felt so light. I just started to feel lighter and lighter and lighter. I almost felt like, oh my gosh, there's no gravity in the room. Like I might just float up off the floor and I didn't at all. But it was that sensation of like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could feel this light. And then the, the spirit came rushing back, like flowing back over me. And I just went to the floor. I was just completely undone. And I was, I was probably, I think somebody else said afterward, you were, you were probably on the floor for like 30 minutes. Um, I, I, would, I had no idea. Could have been 10 minutes, could have been an hour and 10 minutes. Like I was just completely just flooded with the presence of the Lord. It was, it was overwhelming. And after a 30 minutes or so, um the, the worship was ending, and I was able to kind of like pull myself up onto one of the seats in the front row. Um, and, and then people started filing out, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was great worship or whatever. I was just done. I was just completely broken in the best way. And I think I was the last person out of the 300 uh, to leave that auditorium. Like I just sat there just basking in like, God, what, what was that? Like, what, what just happened to me? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to move. And, and still, I've had a few weeks to process. I, I still don't truly know the significance of that. I, I was afraid that the weight would come back. It never came back. Um, I feel like a new person. Everything changed. But one of the things that has come out of that is that we finished up our last few days in Greece, and I, I came back. And just without really thinking about it, I picked up a, a book off of my shelf uh, that Kelly actually had lent to me weeks before. And I'd never like, opened it or, or done anything with it. Sorry, Kelly. Um, but I did. I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm back from Greece. I have a few days you know, of just transitioning and jet lag. And maybe I'll just start reading this. And it was this little book on revival. Um, and I started reading it. And all of a sudden, it just clicked. It, it, it's like what the things that were written in that book were just like sinking down into the deepest recesses of my soul. Was like, I was just so incredibly receptive to it. It resonated with me. And, and my, something in my heart was leaping out and just saying, yes, like th- this is it. This is possible in the city of Spokane. Like this, this is possible in your church and the people that you serve. And without, I can't fully describe or, or understand the experience that I had in Greece, but I know that it prepared my heart to receive that dream. Uh, and, and without that deep work, without that preparation, I never would have been able to receive that dream and, and actually feel this sense of, of ownership over it. And, and so we came back from Greece, and uh, the Monday after Easter, I just got some people together at my house and just said, hey, let's just get together. We'll share some stories from our time in Greece, and let's just pray. We'll just pray, pray for our city, pray for our church, uh, and just wait on God and see what he does. And I'm telling you that that simple prayer time in my living room, it it was like Pentecost in the life of our church. I mean, the Holy Spirit just fell on that plate. I spent half the meeting just weeping. (laughs) I, I just like, oh my gosh, the presence of God. Like, we've done that dozens of times. It's my living room. It's so ordinary. And and yet God met us there in a new way that that since we planted the church almost three years ago, I have not experienced. And it started happening here among us in Spokane. And there was this small group of us there that were kind of lit on fire. And we went from there and we've just our hearts have been stirred to just pray. And, and it's this work of God. I am not a natural prayer. And I can't stop praying. Like, it's God's work in us. And he stirred this small group of us to prayer. And, and some of us would get together in small groups and just keep praying and seeking God. And a bunch of us were praying on our own. So when we came into that Sunday two weeks ago, I knew God was going to move. I knew it because he had stirred us to more prayer in those six days leading up to that Sunday then we'd probably prayed in six months before that. I knew like God's gonna do something. He, this is going to be a unique Sunday in the life of our church. Uh, and then as soon as we started, this was two weeks ago, I immediately just felt the presence of God here in a unique way and just thought, whoa, like God's up to something. Uh, and by the time that Megan got up to share, she started speaking and I, I, I could hardly keep from shaking. I was just, I was overwhelmed sensing the presence of God, just speaking through her, speaking into the life of the church. And we spent, a group of us on the prayer team, spent a full two hours after the gathering just praying and prophesying over people. Hey, let's pray. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm sensing. Here's what I feel like God has for you. Two hours. That's not a normal Sunday for us. And, And from there, this fire has just begun to spread, and it's catching in missional communities, and it's catching in individuals, and there's this fresh passion for what God's doing. And somehow, he, He's birthed this dream of revival in our hearts. And I know that some of you are probably thinking okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, Is is that just a buzzword? Like, what do we mean when we say the word revival? Because this is probably not the last time I'm going to say it. And so I want to end with this. Uh, These are uh, seven markers of true revival um, taken from the book of Nehemiah and Billy Graham. What does revival look like? Uh, One, there's a fresh enthusiasm for the word of God. You saw that in Nehemiah, this hunger from the people. Hey, we don't even own a Bible. Ezra, whoever, bring it out, read it to it. Six hours? Are you kidding me? And then, hey, can we come tomorrow? Can we hear more? There's this hunger for the word of God. I, I want more. I want the word of God to saturate, to sink down into my bones, to guide my life, all of it. Uh, number two. There are soft hearts of humility and repentance. Again, you see that in the revival that happens in Nehemiah's time. The people come, not in hard-heartedness, not self-justifying, not clinging to a certain way of doing things, but saying, God, what do you have? We're here for you. Number three, there's a renewed sense of spiritual life in seeking God, in prayer, and in worship. Again, in Nehemiah, you see just that hunger, that, oh, can we just continue to pray? Can we continue to confess and get these sins off of our heart? Can we clear the air? Okay, now let's worship. Let's feast together. Let's enjoy God together. Number four, there's a fresh passion for the lost, accompanied by a fresh wave of people being ushered into the kingdom. Uh, And sorry for those of you who are taking notes because we have to move to the next slide. Uh, Number five, uh, there's spontaneous movement that breaks out beyond the walls of the church and begins to spread through living rooms, neighborhoods, and workplaces led by disciples who want to make disciples. It's not based around a personality. It's not based around one or two high-profile leaders it's a movement that happens in the hearts of the people it's not a church program it's bigger than that it's spontaneous it's this fire that continues to spread through the city Uh, number six there's a radical transformation of character relationships and lifestyle for those involved there's a powerful work of the spirit there's there's a deep work and not a shallow one and finally God is magnified and put on display as his power and his presence are felt among his people. In a revival, there's almost a rediscovery of the experience of God. It's not just intellectual facts that we have in our head. Oh, I know God to be. Oh, I know the scripture to say. It's no, no, no. I know God. (laughs) He, he speaks to me. He speaks through me. He works through me. I'm filled with the spirit. God is increasingly real to me. It's a rediscovery of the experience of God. And can I just say, as we end, that I see the first fruits of all seven of these things taking root in the life of our church, all of them. In in, in seedlings, poking through the soil, it's beginning, but we have seen God move and speak more in the last three weeks than in any other point in in the three-year history of our church. God is undeniably doing something new among us. Uh, And I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how we'll respond as a community. I don't know what God has planned for us. I don't know if this will spread beyond the life of our church and touch our city. If it will spread from church to church across our city, I honestly don't know. All I know is that God has begun something among us, and he stirred us with a hunger for more. I don't even have time to tell. All the stories we have, just from the last three weeks uh, of breakthrough and healing and freedom and new identity and, and encounter with God and equipping and empowering of the saints a deeper revelation of God's love that, that's been spreading from one person to the next to the next. And so all we can do is come to God open-handed and say, yes. God, we, we see what revival looks like. We, we know how to pray for this. We see the first fruits of what you've begun in our community. Now, as a community, we either say yes to that and, and take a step forward and kind of lean in and say, okay, God, what's next? What do you have for me? Or we, we take a step back and say, God, that's, that's not what I'm used to. That's not what I think of when I think of church. That's not how this is supposed to go. But it's up to us. It's up to us as a community how we want to respond. Uh, And so I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back up. I don't have anything else uh, to share necessarily. Um, But uh, I will say this. One of the uh, sort of uh, unique things that we've been seeing God do in the life of our church just in these last few weeks is this uh, sort of equipping and empowering that's happening and uh, specifically surrounding gifts. And uh, every single one of you is gifted. Um, Some of you are carrying gifts that are inactive. Um, Some of you, um, God wants to give you new gifts. But every single one of you is gifted. And when you come alive in God, and you come alive in your gifting and who you are and how he's wired you and the things that, that, that God wants to do through you, everyone else in this room benefits. All of us. And in fact, if you bury your gifts, Jesus says, then, then everyone loses. Everybody loses. And so, one of the things that God's done in this sort of uh, early stage of stirring something up in our church has just been really simply this equipping uh, of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's been this empowering people in His love uh, and in His spirit to, to come alive for the sake of the body of Christ. And, and if we're going where I sense God's leading us, I think that's the perfect place to start, is to see each one of you set free in Christ, see each one of you built up uh, and filled with the Spirit and, and operating in your gifts and receiving new gifts from Him. And so we're just going to continue to seek Him uh, with that sort of expectation, rejoicing in what He's done in the last three weeks, uh, but claiming in faith that it's actually a, a preparatory work that what he's been doing here, as amazing as it's been, is is actually preparing us as a community uh, for what comes next. And so um, you can go ahead and and stand if you want as we continue in worship. Um, As of right now, the communion tables are open. So over the course of this next song, uh, feel free to come down to the front. If you're a follower of Jesus, grab the bread, dip it in the cup, take it back to your seat, and we'll take it together as a community uh, after this song. And uh, we're just going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to seek God, and uh, we're going to continue to pray. And so over the course of these next few songs, the prayer team will be along the sidewall. Uh, we'd love to just pray for you and just see what God has for, for that revelation of His love, for that filling, for that equipping. Uh, we had one person come uh, last week, and they just said, I, "I want revival in me so that I'm ready." for the revival that's coming. What a beautiful place to start. That is such a good prayer. I want revival in me so that I'm ready for the revival that's coming. I I think that's the season that we're in as a church. Uh, But I'll pray and then we'll uh, worship together. Jesus, we thank you uh, that your kingdom is ever growing, uh, that it's ever expanding, and that your church... Uh, is not an organization primarily, um, but it's a living organism. You actually say it's your body. And every person sitting in here is a valuable part of the body. If anyone in here buries their gifts, if anyone in here uh, doesn't come alive in you, um, the rest of us actually feel that. Um, the rest of us actually lose out. So thank you for the, for the beauty, for the gifting, for the value that you've placed in each and every person here. And Jesus, as we seek you uh, this morning and in the weeks to come, I pray that you would bring us to life in this, that you would show us what's possible. I I can't help but think of the poster that's on the wall behind me. Uh, The Great Commission. Hey, go. I'm commissioning you to go into all the neighborhoods, into all the nations, and, and to bring them the transforming gospel. And Jesus, we... We sit like children in front of a call like that. <laughs> you said, how, how? You know us. You know our shortcomings. You know our brokenness. You know our flaws. You know our fears. And yet you said that we would do that. And the only way to bridge that gap in my mind is that, Jesus, you come and that you touch and that you transform and you build us up. And So we invite you to do that work among us now, God. Would you come? Would you speak? Would you touch? Would you heal? Uh, would you stir something up? in us for the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen.